Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with award-winning daily item reporter, Francis Garcella. Today, we are starting the deep dive into a case that broke news nationwide. A brutal murder that took place right here in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. On the morning of November 12, 2013, a body was found on an alley in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Later identified as Troy LaFerrera, the victim of a gruesome murder had been stabbed more than 20 times. Sunbury police spent weeks investigating the crime before arresting 18-year-old Miranda Barber, followed by her husband, Elliot, just a few days later. With ties to Satanism, and their self-described desire to just kill someone together, the couple was soon recognized nationwide as the Craigslist killers. November 12, 2013 started as an average Tuesday morning. It quickly became a not-so-average day for residents of Sunbury, Pennsylvania, especially those in what locals referred to as the Hill neighborhood. A woman residing on the Hill saw garbage cans that had been knocked over in the alley before she saw what, at first glance, appeared to be a body behind a home addressed 240 Catawissa Avenue. As she approached, she realized that it was just that, a body. At 11.48 a.m., Northumberland County Coroner James Kelly declared that the man was dead. Later that night, the coroner confirmed that the man found behind 240 Catawissa Avenue in Sunbury, Pennsylvania, had been murdered. At that time, police did not believe that the public was in danger. It was a typical normal day for me as I walked over to the courthouse. Uh, there was a couple hearings in the morning, uh, the Northumberland County Courthouse. There was a couple hearings in the morning, and it was getting ready for Thanksgiving. And around Thanksgiving, the in the Italian culture, we do certain like just certain dishes that are made. So uh, I actually went in, and I was talking with then President Judge Robert Cavage, and we were talking about. Uh, what kind of Italian Thanksgiving was coming, like, you know, ravioli and and what kind of pastas and, and uh, rajol and all kind of different different things. So as we're sitting there talking, I see my phone ring, and it's the newspaper across the street. So I just let it go to voicemail because I was busy and I was talking. Phone rings again. It's a newspaper across the street. And I'm like, and when I meet across the street, it's it's we're, we're located directly across from the courthouse. So I'm like, all right, well, if it's that important, they'll send me a message or they'll call back. And then I got a phone call from police. And I'm like, all right, something's wrong. So I said to the judge, I'm sorry, let me quick take this. So I answered. I said, what's going on? And they said, hey, they discovered a body, and it looks like it's bad up in the hill section of Sunbury. So I said, all right, I'll take a ride up. Now, you got to remember, this. it was freezing. I just remember the day being absolutely frigid cold. So, and for being November, it was early for it to be cold, but it was cold. And there was snow the night before. Remember, there was a little snow the night before. Like, just a dusting. So, I said to the judge, and he's like, yeah, you better go. So, 
I go and I drive up the street and I pull in and there is a thousand cops. The coroner, cops everywhere, district attorney's office, state troopers, and everything's roped off. And I'm like, hmm. I said, something's definitely wrong, obviously. So I walked over and as I was talking to a bunch of different people, here comes all the reporters. There had to be all the local media. There had to be 10 of them that pulled in. So I'm like, I'm not a fan of that. So I didn't want to be in the pack. So I'm like, I walked over to the, to the uh, police chief at the time who I knew very well. And I said, Hey, I don't, I know you're busy. Uh, is there anything? He said, well, I can't give you anything yet. He said, but I will tell you this, whoever wanted this guy dead, wanted him really, really, really dead. Wow. And that's what he said to me. And I'm like, Oh, and I said, okay, uh, Call me later. <laughs> and away I went because it was, like I said, it was absolutely freezing. I wasn't in the, I wasn't really interested in standing there the whole time. So I knew he would call me later on that night. So I had left. I actually just got up and left the scene. I went for lunch. I didn't hear anything. I grabbed some coffee and I figured, let me take a, another jaunt back up there. And now it's starting to get darker earlier. So it was dark. It was cold. There was flashlights everywhere, and it legitimately was just a very, very crazy and bizarre situation. But we started to get some. We started to get some word that neighbors had called it in that somebody discovered that this that this body was in the backyard by their in between a car and a shed, and a garage type shed. And I'm like, wow. Well, obviously, I think it's is I think it, it you know it's very suspicious, but. Mazio, uh, at the time, uh, Chief Mazio at the time, he had said to me, because I said, is this like something that's crazy? And he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, uh, the initial stuff we're getting, it doesn't, it doesn't, we're not thinking that anybody's in danger, but we're not 100% sure. He said, so I'm going to leave it at that for right now, and then uh, I will get back to you later on. And that was pretty much it for the night. So we reported that there was a body was found. And that was pretty much it for the night. So at that time, you didn't know who it was. You didn't know male or female. You didn't know how old. Nothing. 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 They gave us nothing. What were, like, the neighborhood, what were, like, the neighbors, were they out? Like, what's Oh, yeah, going it was packed. On? There was people all over the place. Mm-hmm. But it was freezing. So you got to yeah. So people would come and go and come and go and come and go just because mm-hmm. it was so cold. So how did they find it? Like, didn't a neighbor find? So it? that's what happened. Yeah, a neighbor, uh, not even a neighbor, somebody that lived in the house walked out to their walked out to the garage and looked and saw what they thought was a body, and sure enough, it was a body right. laying in the yard. The victim of this gruesome crime was later identified as a 42-year-old man from Port Trevorton, Pennsylvania, Troy LaFerrara. Though he lived in Port Trevorton, LaFerrara owned a home in Sunbury, two blocks from where his body had been found. LaFerrara had been stabbed over 20 times. The next day, I believe, they identified the body, and who who was it? Troy LaFerrara, uh, a guy from Port Trevorton, a 42-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did come out, and they started to ask a little bit of help from the public, but they found him. And everybody's like, well, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. So we started looking him up, and he was served on a couple different boards down in Port Trevorton. Uh, he was an engineer. 
So not wow. just a nobody, you know, it was. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's a somebody, but this yeah. was like something that was just really bizarre. Like, mm-hmm. what is this? But he seemed involved and, yes, you know. Very, yeah. very. Yeah. And they did start to release a little bit more of the information, and they said that the man was stabbed multiple times. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you multiple. go back to whoever wanted him dead wanted him. Really, really dead. Dead, dead. Yeah. So once I got that information, I looked him up, found an address, and we left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, me and a photographer and I took off, and we went down to Port Trevorton, and I was the first one there at the, at the house. And at his house. At his house in Port Trevorton. Right. And we were fortunate enough that his wife had let us in to talk. Troy LaFerrara's wife, Colleen, said that her husband was a sweet guy who was generous to a fault. Colleen said that she hadn't heard from her husband on the night of November 11th, and she started to grow concerned. As the clock continued to tick away, she still had not heard from Troy. By 3 a.m. on November 12th, she had enlisted the help of friends and family members to look for her husband. Colleen said she continued frantically calling Troy's phone, and eventually someone picked up. But the voice she heard was not her husband's. It was that of the authorities. Colleen said that she had seen news about a body being found in Sunbury. And when the authorities answered Troy's phone, she knew that it was not a good sign. And what did she have to say at the time? I'm sure that was yeah, I mean, it was very overwhelming it was devastating for, her. for her. She had no idea why, what, where, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, we were able to, to secure some pictures. And you're her there the day after. So it's like we're there the day after. Possibly and, the day even that she found out about it. If it was the night before and they didn't know who it was at the time. You know what I mean? It could have been. I think she had just found out really late that night. Yeah. And he didn't come home okay. and she reported him missing and then they started to click. So I think mm-hmm. she had already been aware, but not by much. Right. It wasn't by much. So what did she have to say when you when you sat down with her? I mean, she was really devastated. So of I just course. remember her crying a lot and asking why and no idea how this could happen and mm-hmm. you know why was he over there and mm-hmm. so there know. was nothing like suspicious about her husband that she you know what I mean like not he was she led me to believe yeah at the time, that no. she knew that he was nothing. involved in something nothing. weird okay no, nothing okay at that time till so there was no motive clear to her she had no, no idea unbeknownst to her yeah. all she did is she told me that she did not hear from him and she was concerned because it was weird right now she did say that he had uh, a disease narcolepsy where he would fall asleep okay so she wasn't sure when she reported a missing is if he had fallen asleep somewhere yeah and you know you can you can be talking one minute and out like a light the next yeah minute. and she wasn't that's sure gotta that... be hard to have you know what i mean sure it was, even for sure. a partner to not know sure. that would be difficult sure so she said that that got her really concerned and they were starting that night to go out and look for him where he would have been and, and how mm-hmm. they could have found him we'll be right back Sholly Insurance Agency is an independent insurance company that has been family-owned and operated since 1985. When you enter their branches in Lewisburg and Sealands Grove, you will be welcomed by local agents who understand your needs and want to help you find the right coverage at the best price. Locally based and community-oriented, Sholly Insurance will help you protect what you love. Head to sholleyagency.com for more information, Sholly Insurance Agency, 
We are here to help. In the days that followed, investigators searched far and wide for any sort of clue that would give them a lead in this crime. The city of Sunbury had recently installed cameras in various locations across the city, so police reviewed footage, hoping to come across something suspicious. Police found a black 1997 Chevrolet S10 in the parking lot of the Susquehanna Valley Mall in Shemokin Dam, Pennsylvania, which they said was involved in the murder. This truck was owned by Troy LaFerrara. As Francis kept an eye on the police station during this time, he noticed something interesting about the people that were being led in and out. Then some other kind of stuff happens investigation-wise that day, right? Like with the police. Well, yeah. Then they, I mean, there's they started to, to ask for the public's help as far as like getting video cameras, getting any kind of surveillance, uh, asking any members of the public if they've seen anything. At the time, the city had some cameras that were working, so they, the city of Sunbury had cameras that were working, so they were checking the bridges coming in and out. I mean, there was a lot. Over so the they really of just had no. No clue. Like, it sounds like they were looking everywhere at this time, like... They were searching. Yeah. yeah. They were searching. Like, far and wide. Far and wide. Yeah. Now, later on, come to find out that he had a cell phone in his pocket. So, police did a good job of keeping it under the vest, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. had some idea because they went through call logs and text yeah. messages. So, on this day, they found a truck at the Susquehanna Valley Mall. In Shemokin Dam. Yeah, I think it was that day or the day after they had found his truck. Mm-hmm. It was a black 1997 Chevrolet S10 pickup. Yes. And that got spotted actually by the mall who said, you know, because everything was opened up and there was no, you know, once it closed down, it was the only car left in the lot. Mm-hmm. So then they went to review footage, but the mall didn't have any cameras working at the time. So they actually had to go across the street to a, to a Walmart and try to get their cameras to see what time they pulled in Mm -hmm. so around this time police don't really have any clear leads they said there's several suspects at the time so do you know kind of what direction they were heading with that i do unfortunately i do because i was really hanging out a lot and trying to you know get what i can on this Uh, because yeah i'm sure because it's just not something that was not normal usually uh, unfortunately usually these kind of situations are the person knows the other person it's a domestic something like to that effect so I started to see all of a sudden, like, a bunch of women getting led in and out of the police station. Very weird. So we were like, wait a second, this is just not, something's not right. So it was one after another after another. So then I said, hmm, see what's going on here. And we came to find out that they were actually uh, interviewing various exotic dancers at a gentleman's club down in Port Treverton that were coming in and out of the police station. And then I was like, wait a second, this is just so bizarre right Mm -hmm. now. But everything kind of like stood still. Like they weren't giving us anything else. Yeah. And they were getting a little aggravated because I kept calling and asking a million different questions. Mm -hmm. So it was about a four or five day period that went by during that time. And we visited the, the exotic club so what did you did you go with friends (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, actually, I went with another female reporter, believe oh, it or not. Oh, that must have been lovely. Yeah, so we get down there, and uh, we went in to just kind of ask questions, and there was people crying. Like, it was like, okay, now there's definitely a connection. So then we actually got to interview one who spoke very highly of Troy and said it was a great friend and uh, was just very nice to her all the time. And, and So they were familiar. They were very familiar. With him. Very familiar with him. Interesting. I mean, again, you know, he's a grown adult. He can go to anywhere of he course. wants and he can have friends. And at that time, I didn't know if it was a cousin, if it was as creepy as it may sound. Who knows? I don't know. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't know if, mm-hmm. if, you know, it was, we don't, nobody knew. But I just know that there was some sort of connection there. So, and this is all like a week after... The yes. body's found. A week after. And no, there's been no arrests. There's no clear leads as far as anyone knows. Correct. So with that being said, I go back and I say to the chief of police at the time, and I said, what's the update, man? I mean, it's just like now people are like, what the heck's going on? And uh, he came and told me, he goes, well, I got to tell you, this is probably one of the worst murders I've ever seen in my career. Really? And I said, wow. And I said, so... Why don't you go ahead and tell me about those gentlemen club dancers that were coming in and out of here. And uh, at that point, he had said, the guy went to the strip clubs. Bottom line, not hiding it. The guy went to the strip clubs. We were interviewing people that uh, he would he would meet. And uh, he had a house here in Sunbury. And I said, wait a second. He had a house here in Sunbury? And I said, yes. The man had a house here in Sunbury. Uh, he didn't live in it. It was a house that was left to him, and he was fixing it up, uh, whatever the case may be, but he had a house here in Sunbury. So I found out the address of the house, and we went up, and lo and behold, they were serving a search warrant on the house, and there was cops in and out of the house all day long, taking evidence in and out all day long. Mm-hmm. Two-ish more weeks go by. What's going on? They just told me at that point that they were working on it 24-7. Were, and I'm sure you were. So what were you doing in these two weeks trying to figure out? I mean, I searched this guy's every every move that was made as far as we can tell. I've, I looked up everybody on through social media. I mean, we had calls out all over the place to various people. I mean, we it was really tough because, again, it, it, you're talking about a situation that we had no idea. And then we're thinking at this point, we're thinking, well, these people are long gone. If this happened, they're in Philadelphia. And then we're thinking, is this a prostitution thing? And did did he meet somebody and bring her back to the house in you know in a prostitution circle and and whoever was in control of this got mad or did a husband or did a boyfriend or whatever the case may be. So that's so, kind of the direction that everybody's feeling having to do with these. That's kind of the direction I was feeling at that. Yeah, point. yeah right. Now, again, right. I didn't, I wasn't in behind closed doors with police, so I don't know. You know the the full details of everything that they were doing at that time. Mm-hmm. Till, and at this I didn't know point, till later on. At this point, police had a homicide task force. So what's the difference, like between when they're just investigating it? So they're dedicated when... to nothing but this. Okay. So that task force was put together, and their only job was to stay on this at all costs. Okay. So no, how, do you know no how many ex- people like or how many officers were on that? There was a bunch. I really, it was a bunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're you're. Because I know we have a pretty small. We do, but at that time you didn't. At that time you still probably and now you do, but mm-hmm. uh, at that time you didn't. You had a bunch of officers, and plus they were using resources from all over. Because I know state police were helping out, and I mean it was just it was coming from all angles. Mm-hmm. So some time goes by, and what are you thinking around early December? 
I'm thinking we're getting into three weeks, three and a half weeks here with nothing going on. And I've watched Cold Case. I've watched 48 Hours. Had there been a crime like this in this area that had gone like unsolved for this long? No, but recently. Oh, no, not in my time there. No, not nothing like that. Like I said, So people have to be like a little... They were. And I stayed on it with the stories. I never stopped. I continuously pumped out stories to keep the public aware and let police know that I wasn't going away. We were going to stay yeah. on this because, again, people live here. They play here. Mm-hmm. They work here. They go to the store here. They didn't know what was going on. And and, and in any case, uh, people just feel better when they know that somebody's in custody or, or they have some sort of something. They want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Again, would you, I mean, you were very young at the time, but you would not have felt safe leaving at night and going no. somewhere just because you don't know. You don't know if it was a random act. You don't know. All you're doing is reading what I'm putting out at this point, and I'm not even 100% sure that what we're doing, other than taking the interviews off of the people, have anything to do with it, other than that they knew the man. Mm-hmm. So in any one of those stories, we never put anything out there that wasn't accurate. Mm-hmm. based on what these people were saying. Were his parents alive at the time? Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, I did not know that. I knew that he I knew his mother was, mm-hmm. but uh, I did not. You didn't at, get At that time, to I did not reach out to her. I, yeah. I had since afterwards, but at that time, I did not, mm-hmm. I did not reach out to her, no. Mm-hmm. So, three weeks go by. Cops are working nonstop. You're working nonstop. And December 3rd comes. Thank you for listening to this episode of About Last Night. Come back next week to find out where this investigation was leading. Also, catch Francis and I on Friday on our new show, In the Know, where we will be discussing this week's biggest stories. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harv Productions LLC to stay in the loop. We'll see you soon. This podcast is produced by Harv Productions LLC.